Well, good morning. Uh, it is uh, so good to be here. And uh, we were, as uh, Kai mentioned, we were in Harvest Berry last weekend, and then to be here this morning with you. Uh, I just love what God's doing uh, through our fellowship. Uh, I love the, the fact that um, no matter what harvest uh, I go to, I feel like it's just family uh, right off the bat. And uh, we're so thankful as a family to have the opportunity to come out here. Um, this is our first time in Muskoka. Uh, I had been in Harvest Berry about seven years ago, but that was as far north as I'd got. And um, I just have really enjoyed uh, this last uh, nine days, ten days, whatever it's been, uh, since we've got out here. And uh, we are excited to see what God wants to do in our hearts today. I remember uh, the first time I met Kai was actually about ten years ago. He was in the training center in Chicago. And uh, he was excited about the fact that uh, God had brought him there and he was planning on planting a church here. And, uh, and I, I was just starting to understand who this harvest thing was. And about two years later, I found myself at the training center uh, as well uh, with my wife and two daughters. And uh, at that time, uh, Hope and Gabby were seven and five and uh, healthy girls, everything was going well. And I remember even talking uh, to Hope, and uh, especially so, and saying to her that she was as big a part of our church plant as, uh, as I was. Uh, because if kids came to ch uh, children's ministry and they didn't enjoy children's ministry and they didn't make any friends, then mom and dad weren't coming back the next week either. So uh, we were really excited at that time. But the Lord had some things that... Um, uh, changed our life about 15 months later. And uh, this morning I've called the message uh, Living in Reality. Uh, living in Reality because it's in a trial that you and I uh, really start to grasp what our lives really are. It's, when, when things are going well, we kind of live like what? Like we're in charge, right? We kind of live like, you know, we, we, we've got a plan and we're, everything's happening in the way that we would want and Really, the reality is you and I have no power, we have no control, and it's when the trials come that we start living in reality. And so this morning, even maybe, maybe you're not in a season of trial right now, or maybe you're coming out of a season of trial, or you're about to go into a season of trial, uh, because we all have trials in this life. Uh, I want you to hear this message, even if you're in a, in a, in a season of good, uh, what, we, what we're going to be looking at this morning are, are some three, three commands that all of us need to hear. But it's in the trial that we really start asking ourselves, do I really believe what I say I believe? You know, when, when, the, when the sun was shining and everything was going well, I said I believe those things, but do I really believe those things? Now, Tozer says this, only after an ordeal of painful self-probing are we likely to discover what we actually believe about God? And so uh, this morning, I want us to, to look at three different commands that the Lord has taught our family. And, uh, and I, as I said, they're, they're, these things are, they're not going to be new things for you, right? Unless it's like your first time to church, you're not, you're not going to be like, wow, that is profound. I've never even heard of that before. But, but what they are are the core fundamentals that you and I need to, to live by 
each and every day. And so before we get into God's word, let me, let me pray for us. God, we are so thankful for your love and for your faithful, faithfulness to us. God, I thank you that though I know few people here, Lord, you know every heart here this morning. God, would you, would you speak to us? Would you teach us? Lord, we're so mindful of the fact that your Holy Spirit is here with us today. God, we, we need to hear from you. God, whether we're in a season of joy or whether we're in a season of trial, Lord, regardless, we need to hear from you. And God, we, we don't wanna leave here in the same way that we came. We wanna be more like you. So God, would you use this preacher? Would you use this story? Would you use your word to change us today? Lord, that we might reflect you more in the way that we would live, in the way that we would speak. And it will be all to your glory. It's your name we pray. Amen. Well, and usually on a Sunday morning, I'm opening, like right now in our church, we're in 2 Timothy. We'd go through six, seven verses in that time, and we go verse by verse. But this morning, I'm going to do more like Paul did sometimes in the book of Acts. I'm just going to tell you our story. And as I tell you our story, we're going to be looking at all kinds of different scriptures. And the team will, will put the scriptures up for us. I encourage you just to write those things down and, and, um, and look at those verses in more uh, depth for yourself later. But three commands I want us to understand. I'm just going to give them to you now, and then, and then we'll get into what I mean by that. Three commands. Uh, cry out to Jesus in prayer. You and I are called to cry out to Jesus in prayer, no matter what season of life we find ourselves in. Secondly, trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, not something that would be new to any of you if you've been in Christ for any time, but do we truly trust him? And then thirdly, embrace the body of Christ. What we have here in this gathering this morning is something special. It's something that God has given us, and I want to encourage you to embrace the body of Christ. Now, as we go through the outline, it's going to get a little messy. I'm not going to go cry out to Jesus in prayer, and here's the three points out of that. And, and I, I kind of say, well, because, because life is messy, the outline is messy, all right? So uh, here we go. And um, my prayer would be for you this morning that by the time we're done here today, you would trust Christ more than you even do right now that you would love him more and that you would say, Lord, thank you for church. Thank you for the body of Christ. What will we do without it? And so as we get into it, that's my prayer for you. Well, our story, as I mentioned, we had planted our church in uh, September 2010. We launched in uh, December, early December. Uh, we uh, installed our elders and uh, in, life was busy, very busy, and, but our daughter, Hope, needed a tonsillectomy. And so as you do, you go to the hospital, and, and, uh, and uh, so December 12th, we got her tonsils out, no problems with that. Uh, everything went as planned. December 13th, uh, she was having a time of recovery. Again, nothing really extraordinary about that day. And then on the 14th, about 5.30 in the morning, my wife had been 
uh, having the flu, and um, hope was up, and, and she, she started having some stomach issues as well, and she threw up, and, and I'm like, oh, I hope she's not getting this flu too, and, and I was starting to come down with the symptoms, so we were like, okay, you know what, we're just, Gabby's not going to school tomorrow, uh, it's okay, she can skip that day, and we're just going to sleep as long as we can sleep, and then we'll, we'll get on with hopefully a day of recovery. Well, about nine o'clock, I, I was not feeling well at that point. I woke up, and, uh, and we could hear Hope breathing. It was just like this congestion. It sounded like almost like a coffee, when it's per, like coffee percolator, you know, that kind of like kind of sound. And, and, um, and so Heather was like, uh, I, need to, I need to go down and get her to cough that out. Heather was a nurse by trade, and so um, I went to deal with my issue, and she went to deal with Hope, and... Um, but when she got down to Hope, uh, she'd seen that her lips were blue and that she was unresponsive. And so we dialed 911. She called for me to call that nine, dial 911, and the ambulance came, and they got her airway established, but we had no idea what was going on. And I, I remember Heather got into the, the ambulance with Hope, and I got Gabs, and I got into the car, and I called a friend to, to start praying for us in... Just, it was just kind of like, what, what's going on? But, but I'm, I've always been the kind of guy, you, you go to the doctor, they figure out what the problem is, you just go home. I mean, that's how it works, right? So she's with the medical uh, professionals, it'll be fine. Well, by the time we got to uh, the hospital, uh, I found out that on the way to the hospital, Hope had had a heart attack. And uh, her heart was out for anywhere between 10 and 12 minutes. Um, but by the time we had got to the hospital, Gabs and I, her heart was going again, and they had her in the ICU. And then all that day, her heart and lungs just were really struggling. Uh, they had her heart, our lungs, sorry, on an oscillator and just kind of gently trying to help her lungs out. And then, and then her heart just was just going up and down all day long. So uh, sometime in that evening, around five, uh, five or six o'clock, they came and, and just said, we think that we need to put hope on a, on a heart and lung bypass machine. Uh, we think it's her only chance. It's a really risky surgery, but, but we think it's her only hope. And so we went in and, and uh, we kissed hope. Uh, at this point, she's still unconscious, and we kissed her, not knowing if we'd get to see her again alive. And... Um, uh, and then we left. And um, the, the, the surgery takes uh, about two hours, and so it was around that time that they, they got the surgery done and everything had went well. It was actually only uh, the second surgery uh, they, they had done at the Calgary uh, Hospital because usually they would fly the, the patient to Edmonton first, but um, they had just seen the problems with that, and so Hope was the second patient for that. We're really thankful for that. And then they took about an hour and a half to transfer Hope from the bed that she was on onto a stretcher so that they could fly her to Edmonton uh, because that's where they would need to oversee the equipment. So we got up to Edmonton about 5.30 the next morning. And um, all that day, there really was no change in Hope's condition. And by about 7 o'clock, the doctor came by that evening and he said, yeah, things are okay. And, and my wife, uh, again, being a nurse, she was like, well, things aren't okay. Like, just, just be honest with us. And he said, well, I could say she's got a 10% a chance or a 20% chance, but she's, she's got a chance. And um, I just remember that news just kind of hitting me so hard. 
Because I, I just thought, okay, she'll, she'll get better now. She got, we got her on the heart and lung bypass. I mean, we kinda, we'll get things figured out. And, and to know that Hope could still die, it was just, I was just devastated. I remember saying to Heather, God picked the wrong guy. God picked the wrong guy. I can't handle this. I mean, that really is the reality. <laughs> the only reason I'm standing here five and a half years later is because of God. It's not because of me or anything that I could do on my own. It's all because of him and his strength. Which leads us to our first point. Cry out to Jesus in prayer. Cry out in humility. Cry out in humility. You know, when you and I pray, oftentimes it's just, you know, it's like a grocery list in our prayers, right? Okay, Lord, here's my my list. And, and, And thanks for that. Amen, right? But when we cry out in humility, when we cry out to Jesus, we're really saying this, you are God and I am not. And I have absolutely nothing I could do about this situation. Reminds us of what the Psalms say, Psalm 88, one, O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Psalm 130, verse one, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. I don't think I ever really truly understood what it meant to cry out to God until that day, where my whole being was just saying, God, if you don't show up, if you don't do something, I know nothing is going to happen here. I have, I, there's nothing I can do about it. Looking around, I know that I realize that there's really nothing the doctors can do about it. Only you can do anything about this situation. So when we pray, I want to encourage us, no matter what season that we, we're in right now, cry out to him in humility. Recognize that he is great, you are not, and that he has all things in his hands. Well, I took my Bible because at the end of the day, there's only one sure thing in this world, and it's God's word. That's it. And trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust his word. Trust his word. After Jesus had given the best sermon this world has ever known on the Sermon on the Mount, he said these things in Matthew 7, 24 and 25. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. I was like, yeah, the storm's here, right? The storm's here, and the rain is here, and the floods are rising, and God, I need you, and I need your word. And so I, I grabbed my Bible, and I went into to Hope's room, and again, she's, she's just laying there motionless. She's hooked up to all these tubes, and I just, I opened my Bible, and I just said, God, I need to hear from you. I need to hear from you. I, 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 I have no idea even how I got there, but I, I turned to Psalm 25, and, I, and then I just looked down, and, and I said, I just, I just read, and it says, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. It's like, yes, Lord. <laughs> I, I, I lift up my soul to you. And he says, oh my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exalt over me. Indeed, none who wait for you 
shall be put to shame. Those words just this rang out in my heart. Indeed, indeed, the none who wait for you shall be put to shame. Do you believe that this morning, Harvest? That if you put your trust in him, that you will not be put to shame. And, I, and it was just like, God, God just spoke, he said, just trust me. If you trust me, you will not be put to shame. Now, listen to me when I say this. I didn't know whether or not that would mean hope would live through the night or not. But I did know this, that if I put my trust in him, I wouldn't be put to shame. I wouldn't be looking back and saying, oh, I regretted that day when I put my trust in him. And so I said, okay, Lord, I'm gonna put my trust in you. Well, the next morning, after people literally praying around the world at this point, Hope's heart just started changing. Her lungs started changing. It was just like, they they kept turning the machine down and her heart and lungs just kept getting better and better and better. And by by noon, they're like, we we need to take her off the heart and lung bypass. So I'm like, well, 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 that was a really good lesson, you know? Let's just get better now and go home. I mean, that was my thinking, right? And and, uh, by Saturday, Hope was starting to move a little bit, still not conscious, but but she's starting to move her her arms, starting to move her legs, and so much so that they they put some straps down just so she wouldn't grab at the cords and the the tubes, and so they they had done that. And then Sunday, they were like, okay, let's fly Hope back to Calgary. They can continue the care there. And, um, And as Heather was sitting at the bedside with Hope, her thumb just started kind of having this rhythmic move like that. And so they said, well, you know, maybe as a result of the heart attack, Hope maybe suffered some stroke areas. So they did a CT scan, and, and that's what they found. They found that some stroke areas and a couple of lobes on her brain, and so didn't know what that was going to mean. And it definitely was not what we wanted to hear But God, again, um, challenged me to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, to trust his character. So I, again, opened up my Bible as I'm driving back from Edmonton to Calgary. uh, Heather had stayed with Hope at the hospital so that she could be with her until she got on the plane, and then I would be down in Calgary to meet her when she got there. And as we're driving home uh, from Edmonton, I just opened my Bible again, and I just love how God speaks to us through his word. And he led me to Lamentations 3, 21 through 26. Verse 21 says this, but this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. I mean, you guys know anything about Jeremiah? (laughs) I mean, I don't think any of us would be like, I want to change lives with Jeremiah, right? I mean, he he had just a hard, hard life. And so when this man says, but this I call to mind and therefore I have hope, I'm like, okay, what is it? What is it? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. When does his love cease? It's always there. It's always remaining. God loves you right now as much as he's ever going to love you. If you're in a season of joy right now, it's like, yeah, God loves me. I I know that. But what about in the trial? Do you know that God still is loving you as much as he's ever loved you at that time? His love is steadfast. His mercies never come to an end. 
When do his mercies end? Never. Never come to an end. They are new every morning. Every day there are new mercies in your in your in my life. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him, hope in Christ. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. Again, the Lord is like, are you, are you gonna wait on me? Are you gonna trust in me? It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. So again, the Lord is like, just, just trust me. My love is there, my, I'm faithful. Continue to wait on me. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. I don't know where you're at in life right now, but sometimes it's tempting to think, really, is, is God really there? Is his love really there for me right now? Because the circumstances of my life would say, I don't believe that right now. Can I just point you to the cross? I mean, if there was ever anything unfair, if there was anything that shouldn't have happened, it was the cross. But because of God's love for you and for me, he sent his son, he lived the perfect life as a servant born in a manger, and then everyone turned their back on him and he hung on a cross And as he hung on the cross, the sins of you and me were put on him, and then the wrath of God was placed on him. How can we ever doubt God's love towards us? He didn't have to do that, but of love he did. And on the third day, of course, he rose again. He defeated sin in death, your greatest problem has been dealt with already at the cross. Hebrews 13, eight says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is, he is never changing. And so we look to him and him alone. John 6, 68 and 69, uh, Jesus was preaching a really difficult message And everyone was leaving, and Jesus says to the disciples, do you want to leave too? And Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Can I just exhort you this morning that he is the one to turn to. There is nothing and no one else to turn to than Jesus Christ, no matter where you're at today. Have you trusted in him truly? Not just to to cover your sins so that you won't go to hell someday, but that you're trusting in him with everything in your life on a daily basis. Trust his word, trust his character. Well, Hope got to the hospital down in Calgary and she began to have seizure after seizure after seizure, major full body seizures. And so they continued to give her drugs until she finally was able to, to be stabilized. And they did an MRI the next day and they found out that Hope had 60 to 80% brain damage on every lobe of her brain. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. I remember the doctor uh, that was the one who was, was telling us what the situation was. She just kept saying the same thing over and over again. We nicknamed her Dr. Doomsday. And... Um, <laughs> 
She just kept saying, hope will never be the same. Over and over. And so finally, I just said, like, we get it. We get it. Medically, physically, things are not good for hope. We get that. We understand that. But we know the one who made her. And he can heal her. And even if he doesn't, we're going to praise him. She's like, okay, I guess I don't need to talk to you anymore. We never seen her again. It was the weirdest thing. (laughs) Hopefully she didn't quit after that day. I don't know. But... um, Well, they started talking about sending Hope home. Uh, They'd hooked us up with palliative care. That kind of told us where they felt like everything was going with Hope. And as the days turned into weeks, Hope started to wake up and and to slowly move, but really not doing a whole lot of anything. And and as they talked about sending us home, Hope started having uh, what they call neurostorming. Where, where the way they describe it is like your, your, your whole body feels like it's on fire. And, and she would just like instantly have these sweats where she would just, like her whole bed was soaked. And then on top of that, she had dystonia. Do you, anyone ever had like a leg cramp? Those are fun, right? And, and you know, you're just, everything you can do to try to, try to kind of get, break that. And well, Hope was having that in her entire body to the point where she like literally lift her off the bed. And, and, uh, and so that went on and on, which leads me to our next point. Cry out to Jesus in prayer. Cry out in faith. As that went on and on, I watched hope in so much pain. I prayed a different prayer than I had prayed up to that point. I said, Lord, if, if it's better for hope, then you can just take her to be home with you. Now, I wasn't, I wasn't praying that because I was giving up, but I was finally doing this with hope, right? I mean, how many times when you and I pray, we pray like this, right? God, you have to give me this. Like all this other stuff, I mean, that's fine, but this you have to give me. Like you and I would know better than God, right? And isn't that ridiculous? Like as soon as that comes out of my mouth, I'm just like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever said, right? That I would know better than the creator. I'm creation, he's creator. It should be kind of a no-brainer, right? But, but you and I, sometimes we pray like this and, and finally I was praying like this. Lord, she's your child. If you think it's better for her to go home, then, then, then you can send her. And, and uh, do you guys remember Job? You guys ever, it's a really encouraging book, isn't it? You know, <laughs> I, I, I was, it, I, before all this, it, it, was, it was one of my favorite books. And, and you know what, it's, I even like it better now. Right? It, things are like clicking along for Job at the beginning. Everything's so good. And, and, uh, and he's praying, he's a, he's a godly man. And Satan just says, yeah, he's a godly man because you give him every, whatever he wants. I mean, that's what's going on here. So God gives him permission to remove everything, basically, from his life, except, from a real, except for one thing, right? A really supportive wife. Um, <laughs> maybe not, okay? But she was there, for sure. <laughs> I think they worked that out eventually, for sure. But, but, but he, he, his, even his whole health is taken away, and for like 35 chapters, he's just wrestling with God. 
Like, why? I, if I could just stand before him, right? Like, wasn't that, if I could just question him, if I could just, I, 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 you know, basically it's like, answer to me, Lord. And so God comes on the scene in chapter 37, and what does he do? Hey, hey, Job, let me, let me tell you what happened here. He doesn't do that. He just says this, I'm God, and you're not. I mean, that, isn't that what happens? He goes through all this creation, and then at the end, Job, Job responds how all of us should respond when we're challenged in such a way. Job 42, 2, 5, and 6, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself and I repent in dust and ashes. May God give us the grace never to second guess him. He is God and we are not. So we pray in faith. No three-year-olds here today. They're hanging out somewhere else. How, how, does a, how does a three-year-old ask for something? They just ask, right? Dad, dad, can I, can I play with the chainsaw? What's a, what's, a, what's a loving dad say? Well, of course, son, right? And he says, no, you can't. It's ridiculous. What a dumb offer. Or what a, what a dumb question, right? Yeah, well, he doesn't quite say it that way, but that's what he's thinking, right? And, and when you and I pray to God, we pray like a three-year-old to our Heavenly Father. And sometimes the requests we have are really dumb. And other times he just says, not yet, not yet. And sometimes he says yes. And so we're still praying for Hope's healing. We pray that she'll still see someday. We pray that she'll still walk someday. We believe that he can do that. But we're also praying in faith, trusting that whatever he thinks is best, is best. So cry out in faith. And so they, they, there was a doctor who came along who recognized Hope's condition. It was the third in the history of the Children's Hospital. And they recognized what they needed to do was to put in a pump into her abdomen and then feed a tube back to the top of her spine and give her a drug called baclofen. It's like a muscle relaxant. And as they put that, or as they were about to put that in there, we asked, like, what would, uh, what would be the signs, what would the signs be if Hope needed to get that out? And they're like, oh, no, that would never happen. Like, yeah, we get it, but, but what, would, what, would, what would be going on in Hope's body to, to signify the fact that she didn't need it anymore? That will never happen. So just keep that in mind, Okay. So she got that. That's February, March. Stomach just stops working. Totally. Like they put some dye in her stomach to see like what's happening. Like nothing's happening. Like, like it just wasn't moving anything. And so they're like, okay, well, maybe what we could do is open up the bottom of her stomach. And okay, well, what, what if Hope starts eating? Like what would, what would that do? Well, Hope's never going to eat. We get that, we understand that, but, but what, what if? Well, even if she ate, it would just be like, you know, just to taste food. She would never be able to get to the point where she would be able to eat for sustenance on a daily basis. Like, well, we're not so sure we want to do this, and by God's grace, her stomach slowly started working the next day. 
And she got a G-tube in April, and then by May, we were ready to go home. Five months, we were in the hospital. As we left, things were not as we wanted to be. Uh, Hope could not talk, she could not walk, she could not eat, she was blind, she was incontinent, and we had no idea of what Hope understood about the world around her. The mercies of the Lord are new every morning. At five months, we learned the importance of the body of Christ. Embrace the body of Christ, embrace their care, how are, you, how are you at embracing help? You guys pretty good with that? Well, why, why, I see some laughing, I think. I see some smirking. Um, are you like me? Like I could have a piano pinned to my back. I'm on the floor. Do you need some help? I'm good, right? <laughs> what, 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 what's, what causes that? Right, it's, um, uh, it rhymes with ride. It starts with a P. Anyone know that one? Pride, right? Our pride... Our pride wants us to think that we can do things on our own and God is quick to remind us again and again, no, you can't. You can't. I didn't make you to do everything on your own. I made you to, first of all, trust in me, but then I've given you this amazing thing called the body of Christ and I want you to embrace their care. Well, God did that in amazing ways for us over the last five and a half years. I remember pastors flying in to preach to our church. I mean, 10 days earlier, before all this had happened, our elders were installed. So they're kind of like, uh, what? Right? Like, this wasn't the game plan. And, and, um, and so pastors coming in, encouraging our church, encouraging our family, offerings being taken. Your church took an offering for, for our church family so that another guy could be hired, so that I could just focus on our daughter for that time. It was just so amazing. Five months in the hospital, two meals a day were brought to us from our church family, from our, from our, our, our people in the school that uh, uh, our girls went to. A wheelchair van was provided. Some money from, from the churches that had been given as well as the parents at the church uh, at at the girls' school, they had raised money, and then Loblaw's charity, a $60,000 van was given to us so that we could get home. We're in a wheelchair-accessible home today because a year or so into this whole thing, a Christian woman who was a home builder in our city of Airdrie, she just said, what would it take to get you guys into a wheelchair home? Why don't you go to your bank, find out that what you could uh, uh, get for a loan, and I'll go to our tradespeople, and we're just going to make this thing happen. And that's what they did. So we're in a wheelchair home now. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Matthew 25, 34 to 40. It talks about the importance of, of you and I caring for one another. It talks about caring for those who are hungry or thirsty or strange or those who are needing clothing who are in sick or in prison. And on judgment day, as, as God says, you did this, we'll say, well, he says, he say in that, in, in, on judgment day, to the, Jesus says, truly I say to you, as you did to the least of these, you did to my brothers. You did it to me. And so when we minister to one another, we're ministering to Christ. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? So two groups here today, those who need help, 
and those of you who can give help. And as life goes, you're going to be in one season or the other throughout the rest of your life. And so I want to encourage you to be those who are willing to embrace the care. And then for those of you who are doing well right now, be those who are willing to give the care. Let's go back to May of 2012. It was a couple weeks later. Uh, it was, we're celebrating Heather's birthday. And Grandma was there. And Grandma says, do you mind if I just give Hope just a little food? It just seems like she maybe would want some. Hope wasn't able to communicate at this point. And so we're like, okay, you know, just be careful. And so gave her a little on her lips and into her mouth. And usually what happened with Hope, she would gag. That, that, that's, what, that's why they said she would never eat. But she chewed and she swallowed. And then she took a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And by September, Hope was not needing her G-tube anymore, which was amazing because she threw up every morning on the thing. So that was really nice for us to not have that anymore. And, and, um, and so that was the first never, right? She'll never eat. God did that. And, 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 and he gets the glory. And so Hope is uh, eating quite well, even today. And uh, we're so thankful for what God did there. It wasn't much longer after that that Hope said her first word, Gabby. Her sister Gabby. And um, if we had more time, I could talk about how God has used Gabby in the story over and over again. Their, their relationship was such before the brain injury that if you wanted to find out what Gabby thought about something, you had to have Hope out of the room uh, because she always just thought whatever Hope thought. And, and, um, and to see how God has used Gabby to help in Hope's recovery. Now, the first year they slept in the same bed together. And uh, I remember the first time they had their first fight. Um, it was music to our ears. Uh, not so much now, but then it was like some kind of normality, right, again. And, um, well, things uh, didn't go as we had hoped that first year. There was some progress, like the eating and, and, and a few words, but then there was all this digress. And, and um, we were told that that first year is key for a, a brain injury recovery, in September, Hope just started crying out. And when she couldn't say much, but she would just say this, help me, God, help me, help me, God, and just cry and cry, and you just have to hold her. In October, everything flipped, and she was, she was just laughing out of the blue. And there's some kind of fancy word for that, um, but I can't remember the thing right now, but that, that is a condition that people have, and so she was having that, and then she started having whooping cough, in November, after the G-tube had been taken out, she stopped eating for 10 days in a really, really difficult time. In December, uh, she just started having this anger that she was going through and having bad seizures where her breathing would stop. And in January, she's, she, she, to get a med into her was really difficult, and she just spit it out and that she needed it desperately. And in February, when they transitioned her from the, the children's hospital, there was a, a therapy school there. She had been going there, and she, they transitioned her to her Christian school that she had been going to. Said they, they, they give her very low cognition, that she understood very little. 
and still her ability to communicate was really poor. Again, not what we had wanted. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, trust his plan. Trust his plan. And a year like that is really difficult to, to continue to trust. As your trials go on, sometimes in a, in a season, it's like, okay, we're gonna trust the Lord. But as the trial goes on longer and longer, it can be difficult. And again, I needed to be reminded that we could trust in the Lord. Isaiah 55, eight and nine. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. When life is hard and we struggle and we, we, we try to find answers, again, we need to remember that God's ways are higher than our ways. I mean, even over this last five and a half years, even, even as times of late, there's, there's so many times where I'll start looking at the way I wish things were instead of the way things are. God is at work in your trials. Do we understand that? God is using your trials, and he's at work right in your midst, in your trial. And I've needed to be reminded of that again and again. It's easy to envy another family or another situation or envy other things, and God is like, what are you doing? That's not your plan, that's not my plan for you. This was my plan for you. Would you trust me? Trust him. Again, I wanna encourage us all his plans are best. Romans 8, 28 is a great verse if we read it all the way through and then read verse 29, right? All things work together for good for those who love the Lord Jesus Christ, right? And if we just stop there, it's easy to start thinking, okay, good. My good? Kinda. But not my definition of good, because as verse 29 goes into, what God is using your circumstance for is to make you more like him. He's using it to make you more like him. And so embrace him, trust him, and see that he's working. Embrace the body of Christ, embrace their correction. There's been so many times along the last five and a half years where I've needed a correction adjustment. I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I need to be told by someone, hey, not like this, but like this. I remember Pastor Rick and Lynn coming and just being able to weep with them and cry with them and, and just to, to have them come alongside us was just a, in such an encouragement. In those days where Hope was just continually crying out over and over again and not knowing what to do or what to think, calling Garrett Higby and just hearing his awesome advice about just reminding me what God's word says about these things and my call as a husband and as a father to lead my family through that time. We need one another. God so often has used my wife to encourage me when I was, when I've been discouraged. And by God's grace, I think he's been able to use me to be an encouragement to her. Proverbs 27, five and six says this, better is open rebuke than hidden love, faithful of the wounds of a friend. Sometimes you and I need someone to come and say, you're just wrong. What you're thinking right now is wrong. But I love you, and I cry with you, I'm gonna be with you, I'm gonna walk through this with you. 
Well, by March of 2013, Hope began to make gains in her speech. By June of 2013, she became continent, just out of the blue. It was like an amazing day, and, and uh, really thankful for that. And Hope began to be able to talk. As she began to be able to talk, she started trying to, talk, uh, to, to count to 10. And she'd go, one, two, four, ah, that's not right. And she'd start again. And she started again, and then she started building on those numbers. She counted up to 25,000 by the end of the summer. She just kept this tally. And then by September, she was spelling aerodynamics. She'd made a bit of a turn in 2013. Amen. Amen. Remember that pump? That's just a whole nother sermon in itself. But we just kept asking for it to be turned down. They would say no, and then we'd eventually convince them. Because here's what we'd see. They'd turn it down, hope it'd get better. Then it's kind of like flatline. Then they turn it down, she'd get better. And so, you know, being the scientists we are, <laughs> and they being the faith people, it was like, it's, sometimes it was a little difficult. Um, but, but we got to the point where we're gonna take the pump out by, in uh, 2014. And I remember that doctor. It's like, okay, we're going to give glory to God here, like, right? Like, are, are we ready? Are, and he was like, well, sometimes these things happen. Like, <laughs> no, no, no. You said it would never happen, right? And, um, but to God be the glory. And um, so that pump was taken out in April 2014. Embrace the body of Christ. Embrace their compassion. Romans 12, 15 tells us to weep with those who weep. One of the things that happened in 2014 for us is hopes back got worse and worse. Um, it's a thing called scoliosis. We don't know uh, what was causing it, um, but it kept getting worse. And maybe, maybe some of you were, were reaching out to, to my wife through, through the blog and just saying, hey, we'll, we'll try this for scoliosis or try that. And all kinds of people had really encouraging things for us to try. We didn't want to do a surgery. Surgery would mean a full back fusion from top to bottom. I'm like, no, we don't want that. And, and so we were looking at all kinds of options and we'd, we'd found a, uh, a chiropractor who had this uh, brace and we thought, okay, let's try this thing. You know, we're not saying never to the surgery, but I think we're ready. So I, you know, we kind of prep beforehand before going into the doctor. Okay, we're gonna tell them the plan. And, and they'd done some x-rays before we met with the doctor and her hope's lungs were being crushed um, because her Scoliosis had got so bad. It's like 120 some degree curvature in her back by this point. I remember that hour with the doctor where he's like, we have to do the surgery. We can't put it off. We have to do it like right away so we have to do the surgery. And I just kept wrestling and wrestling with this. And I, you know, eventually getting to the point of like weeping and just thinking like, you guys have been wrong before, right? Like, we had some evidence, and, and, um, and, and to be able to, to, to do something like have to have like a surgery where, where your whole back is going to be fused, and you know, God even used that doctor to show me compassion. He said, and I don't think the guy's a believer, uh, maybe he is today, but, but he said, can I just read you a poem that my dad read to me when, when I was a kid? And so he began to read this poem. God, give me grace to accept with serenity the things that cannot be changed. Courage to change the things that which should be changed 
and the wisdom to distinguish the one from the other. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will. And I was like, okay. God's using this pagan doctor to remind me once again, I need to surrender to his will. Well, we were supposed to go and be with a family um, after that doctor's appointment. Everything had went, got pushed back, and so we were like literally time to go. And um, how much do you think we wanted to go be with that family? Like, like about this much? But we we're like, you know what, let's just, let's just go. Let's just go. And so we went, and we just kind of poured out our lives to the husband and wife, and the kids were playing and having fun, and to hear them laughing and just having some kind of normality. And that was the best thing that we could have done, is to go and be with that family. But how many times do you and I just want to go like this when it comes to embracing compassion? My life's just really hard right now. I just gotta be by myself. I just gotta be by myself. I'm, I'm just gonna be, gonna be in my house and, and, and I just need time to think. I just, whatever, whatever our excuses are. But the last thing that we do is surround ourselves with people when it is the best thing that we could be doing. Where are you, God? Well, I, got, I gave you the body of Christ. And I'm trying to help you, but you keep saying no to everybody who wants to help you. Embrace their compassion. Embrace their compassion. Again and again, God has been so gracious to us over the last five and a half years to see his mercies new every morning. Right now, Hope's biggest struggle that she still has is Caesar's. And... Um, um, they're still trying to figure all that out. They've, she's had EEGs over the last year. She's had all kinds of stuff. But um, um, they're, they're, still, they're still trying to figure that out. So you could be praying for that. But God's brought hope so far. In school, she just uh, finished grade nine, full, full, uh, full, full course load. In, um, in grade eight, Hope was still so far behind in math that she, you know how math kind of builds one on top of the other, and, and uh, so she was like at a grade four or five level for math. And someone just said, well, let's just put her into grade eight math and just see what happens. We'll kind of fill it in as we go. Uh, 90s are pretty good. And uh, <laughs> I'm, not sure, I'm not sure what that says about our school systems, but... Um, <laughs> um, but one of the things Hope uh, has is a real love for writing. And so just to kind of help us to understand how far God has brought Hope, I want to read a poem that she wrote. It's an acrostic poem, and it's called Wheelchair. And each of the letters of Wheelchair begin each of these lines. And it starts off, want to go for a stroll, Hope? Says my wheelchair to me. Happily, Hope replies, what would I do without you? Everywhere I go, you keep me company, my friend. Eyeballs stare as we go, maybe wondering how we met. Living with you can be hard at times because I'd rather use my feet, but I like that you carry me through. 
comfortably sitting on your cushy seat, carries me to a fluffy cloud of heavenly bliss. Helping me every day to get from here to there, able to get through my day because you bear my weight. I love you, my wheelchair friend, even though you bring me pain and grief. Riding along, you'll be part of the story God is writing for me. Cry out to him in prayer. Cry out in hope. Cry out in hope. God's still teaching me a lot through this. Sometimes I find myself thinking ahead, wondering what will life be like for Hope after high school, wondering if um, she'll ever find a husband who would love her someday. God's so gracious, he just, like, what are you doing? I'll give you a grace for today. I give you grace for today, one day at a time. There are days when life is not easy. And I know some of you know that this morning full well. Some days you're just like, God, well, why does life have to be so difficult? Why does it have to be so hard? He says, well, I, I did tell you that this life would be full of trouble. I think about the apostles, think about the early church, how they were just so brutally treated, getting beaten down, beaten down again and again, and they would get up and they would proclaim that same gospel that they'd been beaten for. How do they do it? It's with the remembrance that every day that Jesus could return. I remember before all this began, before Hope's brain injury, Heather was stressed about something, and, and that's what Hope had said to her. Mom, why are you so stressed? Jesus could come back tomorrow, and then what does it all matter? Isn't that the way that we should live? Every day. I just want to live fully for Christ today. I don't know whether he's coming back tomorrow or not, but I, today, today, I'm going to live fully for him. I'm going to keep my eyes off of my trials. I'm going to keep them on the cross. I'm going to keep my eyes on him. I'm going to cry out to him in hope, knowing that he understands knowing that he is always with me. Romans 8, 18 says this, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that it will be revealed to us. I don't know whether hope is going to walk in this life or not, but one thing I do know is that she's gonna leap before the king of kings someday. I don't know whether she'll see yet in this life, but I know for sure she's going to see Jesus Christ. This is our hope. Last summer, Hope had the opportunity to meet Johnny Erickson Tata. And uh, just the way that God has used that woman's life, a woman at 17 who had become a quadriplegic and over 40 years later, 50, almost 50 years later now, how God has used her to proclaim hope in the midst of trial. And so Hope got to meet her. And, uh, and after she got to meet her, she said to Heather, Mom, I'm so blessed I got to read Johnny's story and I got to meet her. Brothers and sisters, we are blessed. 
Christ's mercies are new every morning if we would just open our eyes and see. So as a brother this morning, I want to encourage you to be faithful to our king. I want to encourage you to put your trust in him and nothing else. Only Jesus is worthy of our trust. Trust his word, trust his character, trust his plan. He has given us the body of Christ. Embrace their care, embrace their correction, embrace their compassion, and cry out to him in prayer. Cry out in humility, cry out in faith, cry out in hope. And we pray for us. Lord God, I'm so thankful for this time together this morning. God, again, as I've uh, retold the story that, Lord, you're writing for us, Lord, once again, you're, you're teaching me about the importance of trusting in you. God, I'm so thankful that you know every heart here this morning God, if there are those here this morning or just having a tough time trusting you, God, would you open their eyes to see that you are King of kings, you are Lord of lords, you're the creator of them, you are the creator of their souls. Lord, you are with them very closely. Lord, you are close to the brokenhearted, we're told. Lord, help them to trust you today. Lord, thank you so much that we have the privilege to cry out to you in prayer. God, forgive us for demanding prayers. Help us to, to pray in humility. Help us to, to, to pray out in hope, trusting God as we pray. And Lord, thank you for the body of Christ. Lord, thank you that we don't have to go through this world alone, that Lord, you've given us a family of God to walk this life with. Lord, forgive us for our pride when we would say we could do it on our own. Lord, truly we cannot. Lord, thank you for your grace in that. Lord, thank you that you know that and Lord, that you've given us brothers and sisters who would care for us. So Lord, help us to leave here more like you this morning. It's your name we pray, amen.